Hallelujah. Glory to God. You are welcome once again to uh, the fountain of life. I hope your week has been great. And I hope that the hand of God has been upon your life. You're seeing tremendous testimonies happening around you and to even the people that you love. Because that is supposed to be your portion. Amen? Supposed to move from one realm of glory to another. And seeing your life being enlightened more and more in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. A story is talked about a gentleman who lived in the 1920s, 30s, or thereabout, who was known as a very noble man, a man who was respected by so many of his peers, and he did good because, well, he took care of his family, he, uh, uh, he, uh, he was a titular, he was very respectful, and for the community at the time, they saw him as a model figure. Amen. There was only one issue, though. The man was not born again. He never went to church. But even then, the people still agreed that well. He was one of the most humble people in the land at the time. Amen. So one time, this gentleman went to, to church and he gave his life to Christ. Amen. And in the midst of that, there's something that happened immediately because they realized that he was different. And whosoever met him the following number of days or weeks, they could tell that there was a special glory that shone on his face. There was a certain radiance that shone upon him. And they could tell that indeed the hand of God was upon him. And a story was told to Kenneth Hagin that those who knew him personally could even tell that he was even much nicer than he ever was. But you ask yourself, okay, how much nicer could he get? <laughs> oh, this is someone who was already known as a very noble man. Well, we see those people around us. They are people that we interact with. And you wonder, like, how is it possible? How does this guy live his life? The guy is so calm. The guy is so cool. I've never seen this guy lose his temper. The guy, well, he's not messed up. He's always with his family. He's one of the biggest givers. He's an incredible guy. Awesome. Living the life to the fullest in accordance to the standards of society. Well, that's how society is because there are certain predefined values that we are supposed to espouse. There are certain attributes that we are supposed to live by so that society defines us as very noble people. But is that how it's supposed to be? How has it always been in the Bible? Because there are elements in the Bible that are going to confuse you and you would be wondering, well, well, now this is, well, uh, a plot twist. <laughs> is this how it's supposed to be? Because, for example, in the book of Exodus, we know the, the Ten Commandments being given unto Moses. And one of the commandments was, do not murder, do not kill, basically. Yet, when you read in the Bible, there are people who, because of their zeal for the Lord, they killed. And the Lord attributed it unto them as righteousness. Amen. That would be confusing to someone. The book of Numbers, chapter 25, 
tells us about a story of uh, a gentleman uh, uh, called Zimri. Let, let, me, let, me, let me just go there and read it for you. Numbers 25 from verse 6. The scripture tells us, And behold, one of the children of, of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Of course, they were, weeping at the, uh, they were weeping at the time because of the plague, okay, that had killed so many people and was still ravaging. Verse 7, And when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand. And he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. So the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. And those that died in the plague were 24,000. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned my wrath away from the children of Israel, while he was zealous for my sake among them, that I consumed not the children of Israel in my jealousy. Amen. Verse 12, Wherefore say, Behold, I give unto him my covenant of peace, and he shall have it, and his seed after him, even the covenant of an everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God and made an atonement for the children of Israel. Glory to God. Now the name of the Israelite that was slain, even that was slain with the Midianite woman, the, the guy was called Zimri. He was the son of Salu, a prince of a house among the Simeonites. Well, you know the Simeonites, that's from the tribe of Simeon. And the name of the Midianite woman was Cosby, the daughter of Zur. He was head among the people and of a chief house in Midian. Glory to God. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Vex the Midianites and smite them. Okay, let me just stop there. Now, Phinehas sees that this guy is spiting the children of Israel. He's fighting his brethren. You know that the plague is being caused because of uh, your association with the Moabites. You remember earlier on how uh, Balak goes unto Balaam to tell him and tempt him to curse the children of Israel. And Balaam, the prophet, sells the anointing because of the price that was going to be given. So he decides to well, to go and cast the children of Israel. But each time that he tried, it turned into a blessing, basically. So he devised another mean. So he told them that, you know what? I cannot cast them because the curse is being turned into a blessing. So let us do this. Let us send uh, Midianite babes unto them. They'll mess them up. And that's exactly what happened. So when these girls were brought, they messed up the children of Israel. And a plague ensued. Amen. So Phinehas, being moved by the zeal of the Lord, realized that if I kill this guy, the plague is going to stop. Amen. So he comes and thrusts his javelin. That ends up finishing both Zimri and Cosby. And the plague stopped. And the Lord called that righteousness glory to God. But in the eyes of someone who has predefined certain aspects of God, well, because the commandment says do not kill, they're going to be wondering, okay, now what is, what is it here? 
What is it here? Because I know one thing of the Lord. You know how the scripture tells us in Titus 1.15 that to the pure all things are pure, but to those that are defiled, even their consciousness is defiled. Purity and a clean conscience is what is going to define your righteousness before the Lord. Well, what is it that you want to see from the Lord? And what is it that you want to get out of him? I remember one time being asked a question. I was seated in an environment of cell and someone asked me, okay, what if it's two Christians? They want the same job. One is more spiritual than the other and they, they know their identity in Christ and they can speak in tongues, they can do all sorts of things for the Lord. And they are going for the same job. Who take the job? And I told them, do you know what? The person with a pure conscience and intent would take the job. Because that is how the Lord is. Your definition of righteousness is not how the Lord defines it. Period. And there are other people who could have been moved by zeal for the Lord. And they ended up, well, trapping themselves. Amen. <laughs> Yet in your eyes, you might actually think, well, these people were defending their own. They had the moral authority to do that in your eyes. But it was wrong. It was wrong. <laughs> Glory to God. Let, let me give you uh, something to look at. In the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 34, uh, the scripture tells us about Dinah, the daughter of Leah, who was born unto Jacob. You know she was Jacob's only daughter. Okay? So, the story tells us that there was a gentleman called Shechem, who was the son of Hamor, uh, the Hivite, prince of the country, when he saw her, he took her and lay with her and defiled her. Okay, it was something wrong. But because in that moment, he realized that he loved her. He loved her. And he decided, well, let me right my wrong. So he went unto his father and he told that, you know what, you get me this girl so that I may marry her. When Jacob had that dinner, his daughter had been defiled. He kept quiet until they came back. So let me start reading from uh, verse 6. And Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out unto Jacob to commune with him. And the sons of Jacob came out of the field when they heard it, and the men were aggrieved, and they were very wroth, because he had wrought folly in Israel in lying with Jacob's daughter, which thing ought not to be done. And Hamor communed with them, saying, The soul of my son longs for your daughter. I pray you give him to wife, and make you marriages with us, and give your daughters unto us, and take our daughters unto you. And you shall dwell with us, and the land shall be before you, dwell and tread you therein, and get your possessions therein. And Shechem said unto her father and unto her brethren, Let me find grace in your eyes, and what you shall say unto me, I will give. Ask me never so much dowry and gift, and I will according as you shall say unto me, but give me the girl to wife. And the sons of Jacob answered Shechem and Hamor his father deceitfully and said, because he had defiled their sister. And they said unto them, we cannot do this thing to give our sister to one that is uncircumcised for that were a reproach unto us. Of course, you know that circumcision had come unto the time, uh, uh, during the time of Abraham, when the Lord 
ordered at the time all men to be all men to be circumcised so it was a law unto the children of Israel okay they, they had to be circumcised so these guys Shechem and his father Hamor they decided well that that is something that is fair enough they were pleased so they went and they told all their men you know what we are going to be circumcised this is what is going to happen unto us and uh, if i am to jump to verse 21 and they, they said these men are peaceable with us therefore let them dwell in the land and trade therein for the land behold it is large enough for them let us take their daughters for us to wives and let us give them our daughters only herein will the men consent unto us for to dwell with us to be one people if every male among us be circumcised as they are circumcised so of course they told the men that you know what for us to be more peaceable with them well in as much as they've accepted to marry our daughters and trade with us and so forth we are going to stay in the land well you 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 get satis- uh, you get circumcised so well the men agreed the scripture tells us that when they were circumcised after uh three days and they were still nursing their wounds Simeon and Levi they came with swords and killed all the men can you imagine including both Hamor and his son Shechem these are people who had entered into this covenant they were literally going to be one people but Simeon and Levi decided well we are going to take uh justice into our own hands and they killed the men and you'd expect Jacob to be happy no he wasn't <laughs> he wasn't first 30 Jacob said to Simeon and Levi you have troubled me to make me to stink among the inhabitants of the land among the Canaanites and the Perizzites of course for them they answered okay are you going to let our sister be treated like a prostitute but well the thing is both are moved by zeal both are moved by zeal okay the other one is stopping a plague of the lord the other is stopping a plague that had been caused because of the defilement of the children of israel well they had done abominable things before the lord they had been defiled by the midianites while these ones we are looking at a situation where someone commits a crime they realize that what they've done is wrong and they come to to make right of it so they come and they enter into a covenant with you and you come and kill the person really really <laughs> uh, it reminds me of, of the cancel culture there is so many things that seem to be happening uh, uh, <laughs> in the cancel culture like it's 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 as if you were never meant to have a past uh, recently the former is this still the former no I, th- i think it's still the the manager of the US men's national football team uh he, he had a disastrous world cup okay fair enough 
uh, North Americans expected better. But now, one of the cold wars that uh, that was happening was because of uh, his uh, refusal to play uh, uh, Giovanni Reina, who is the son of uh, uh, the American legend Claudio Reina, who captained the U.S. in the 2006 World Cup. So, because of their beef, Claudio Reina went into the media and told them how this guy Greg had battered his wife in 1991. And because of that, they wanted to cancel him. Really? They wanted to cancel him for something that happened over 30 years ago. And these guys are still together. Something that, well, imagine if maybe you committed a crime and you turned from your ways and now you're living life differently but you still have to pay for something that you did 30 years ago is that the moral compass that we are supposed to live with is that what society has become that there is no uh, chance for redemption well you might have done something but no even if that's not you anymore you still have to you still have to pay for it well sorry about that i remember a uh, a, a stock uh a midfielder a few years ago who was banned for i think about three three games because of a tweet that he had made in 2011 mocking the alphabets well he had to pay for it okay maybe that is me uh digressing a bit but but you get the gist of it you get the gist of it here we are looking at Shechem and Hamor deciding that you know what we made wrong and now we are correcting our wrong we are going to honor this girl we are going to marry her we are going to wife her and we are going to enter into covenant with your god well if your god tells you to circumcise we are going to circumcise as well you shall be our people literally you're going to trade with us we shall marry your daughters you can marry our daughters amen but these guys because they feel so aggrieved and because of zeal they come and kill them that is not how it's supposed to be no that's not how it's supposed to be for the life of god is supposed to be different for a child of god there are certain aspects of life that we are supposed to live by things that are different and the crazy thing is that because we have been predominantly made to respect the house of god and the children of god we think that they cannot uh they 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 they, they cannot make mistakes you can imagine well because because of the plagues that had happened at the time in numbers we know that the ammonites and the moabites were never allowed to be in the congregation of the lord and in that time because the priests had so much power well they were the custodians of morality they were the custodians of religion and their word was always final now we are looking at the story of nehemiah okay he's trying to rebuild the wall and some of the biggest uh, troubles that he faced were coming from uh, a moabite Tobiah. And you know who was hoping them a priest. A priest. Because you know um, Moabites and Ammonites uh, 
come come from from Lot, okay? And you know that Lot had a relationship with with uh, with Abraham. So there was a dotted line. They were kind of kind of brethren in a way, brethren nations in a way. But I know the Lord had specifically told them that these people are not supposed to be in the congregation of the house of God forever. But you know that there's a priest who brought them in. The priest called Eliashib. The scripture tells us in Nehemiah 13, on that day, they read in the book of Moses in the audience of the people and therein was found written that the Ammonite and the Moabite should not come into the congregation of God forever because they met not the children of Israel with bread and with water but hired Balaam against them that he should curse them. How be it how God turned the curse into a blessing? Now it came to pass when they had heard the law that they separated from Israel all the mixed multitudes. And before this, Eliashib the priest, having the oversight of the chamber of the house of God, was allied unto Tobiah. And he had prepared for him a great chamber where aforetime they laid the meat offerings and the frankincense and the vessels and the tithes of the corn and the new wine and the oil which was commanded to be given to the Levites and the singers and the porters and the offerings of the priests. Can you imagine? The one who was supposed to be at the forefront of morality in the house of Israel and to teach people of the laws of God was the one breaking the law. <laughs> ah, the one that Nehemiah prayed in, the powerful prayer in 4-5 that turned their reproach unto their head. People who are supposed to be a part of the children of Israel are people who are supposed to be gathered together to build, to rebuild Israel after the 70 years of captivity in Babylon. But these are the people who are fighting. These are the people who are fighting. Is that how it's supposed to be? So when we look at life as is, how are we living our lives? And how are we defining our lives? Because there are certain things that happen around us and they are going to shock you about the children of God. And you wonder, (laughs) what is it that we want from God? And how have we aligned ourselves to the world? I've said this before, that our relevance to the world is by our relevance to it. We are not trying to get or win a popularity contest. A contest that is going to usher us at the forefront. No, no. It's only the Lord who has qualified us. I remember in 2011, when the Canadian uh, pastor, Artur Poluski, uh, I know he's of Polish uh, heritage, when he was arrested on the street for preaching the gospel, well, Canada had very strict laws at the time. Well, they still exist, but maybe that is down a bit. Uh, he was arrested for preaching the gospel on the street. And you'd expect the church to rally behind him in Canada. No, no. <laughs> Within hours of his arrest, there's a man of God who went on YouTube and started blasting him, talk, talking about how uh, rude 
Pastor Atur is, how he doesn't respect the law and he deserves whatever is happening to him. Really? I thought the church is supposed to gather together. I suppose we are supposed to walk together. You know, the scripture tells us that we have moved from darkness into light because we love the brethren. But now we are divided by so many sects. This person goes here, so I'm not going to listen to him. And you call all that crap. Can you imagine? And we go into the house of God and we lift our hands and sing of his goodness in the land of the living. Ha, ha, ha. Good luck. Because your righteousness and what you perceive to be real is predefined in your mind. And let me tell you, if you're not becoming, but you're just trying to be, you're just going to be a wannabe. Because when the Spirit of God is upon you, you stand and every aspect of God is going to be seen. The Spirit of God is going to be seen and men shall be drawn unto you. You don't have to convince. But man, there are certain things that happen. Among the children of God and they leave you uh, well, shocked, shell-shocked. I remember uh, a few years ago, uh, there is a church in here in Uganda and I think a tree fell and destroyed uh, a, uh, a few property, I think cars. And I saw a gentleman going on Facebook and laughing and saying that we told you people to be aligned to this grace. But you didn't listen. But really? You're calling yourself a child of God? And you're celebrating because other children of God have gotten an issue? Is that the love that the Lord Jesus Christ told us? Really? No. No, no. Scripture tells us in First John chapter 2 uh, from verse uh, 7. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Amen. Verse 8. And a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shines. Verse 9. He that says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loves his brother abides in the light and there is no Occasion of stumbling in him. Glory to God. He that hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and knows not where he goes because the darkness has blinded his eyes. One of the worst things that can happen to a child of God is you thinking you're in the light yet you're in total darkness. (laughs) Total darkness. Then you're saying, okay, maybe at least there's some bit of light at the end of the tunnel. But what are you doing in the tunnel? What are you doing there? Child of God. How much have we known God? And how much have we perceived these things of righteousness? 
picture a situation where you know how Malachi uh, tells us to return all the time okay unto the house of God we know that we we are all tithers we know okay scripture tells us in verse uh, chapter 3 verse 10 bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse that that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith says the lord of hosts if i will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it amen powerful just picture situation you are from withdrawing money and you're moving with your tithe Amen. You, you're taking it to church. And the Spirit of the Lord tells you, hmm, give it to that gentleman. How many of us would actually hack into the Spirit of God? Well, if we are able to hear the, the voice of God. <laughs> I remember... Uh, one time uh, Kenneth again saying that if the spirit of God walked around with a red cape would miss him I'm not saying that you shouldn't take your tithe to church that's what the scripture says we are supposed to we are supposed to it's scriptural but I'm talking about the instances what if the spirit of God tells you do this would you hearken because in that instance that person has become the storehouse You know the scripture tells us in Psalms 12 verse 6 that the word of God is purified seven times seven times so every portion of revelation has other sides to it are we able to understand the word of God to the fullest because you might joke about these things well but there is such a thing as knowing the fullness of god <laughs> there is there is the scripture tells us in uh, ephesians uh, chapter 3 verse 19 i know many people love verse 20 <laughs> and to know the love of christ which passes knowledge that may be filled with all the fullness of god how do you get to that level where you filled with all the fullness of god it's been given unto us to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven Matthew 13:11 it's been given unto us to understand how come we are not able to understand them and if the scripture tells us in first uh, John 2:20 that we have an unction with the holy one and we know all things how come many of us are still troubled how come many of us are still struggling with certain aspects of life what are these things why don't we know them How is it possible that there are people that supposedly were in darkness this stumbled onto ultimate truths before even the people that were living with the Lord Jesus Christ Can you imagine in the acts of the apostles we are seeing a man Cornelius is giving and fasting then the guy stumbles into the revelation of God because he receives an angel but how many children of God if an angel appeared they would even stay still Would they even know that that's an angel? How? It all comes to purity. What is that that you are searching for? 
you know, the psalmist tells us in 64 verse 6, both the inward mind and the heart of man are deep. What are the deep things that you are searching for? What are those lengths that you're willing to go to to discover the purities of God, to discover the workings of God, to discover how you ought to walk and how you ought to move. Amen. Glory to God. You know, in the book of Luke, uh, from verse uh, Luke chapter 10 uh, from verse 30 Jesus talks about a parable about a certain man who went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves was stripped of his raiment and wounded uh, and, and he was wounded and departed leaving him half dead and by chance there came down a certain priest that way and when he saw him he passed by on the other side and likewise, a Levite, when he saw he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spends more, when I come again, I will repay you. Huh. A Samaritan. A Samaritan comes and takes care of this person. Takes care of this person while well. The priest passed by. The Levite passed by. That, that is how sometimes we behave. We are like, okay, these things do not interest me. As long as I'm living my life, that's okay. I don't care. How do you look at things? Is there a time that you're going to be moved by the zeal of God? And come. Is your conscience so seared that you cannot help around you because we are for you too busy praising the Lord that you're not bothered by the issues that are affecting society. Well, as long as my children are well fed, I don't care about the neighbors. <laughs> I don't care. How are we going to bring people to the knowledge of God? How? It's beyond just prayer and fasting. Because some things are there before you. And the only way that you are going to see your breakthrough is when you step out of that selfish kind of living that you've probably been enclosed in. There's a lot that is happening around us. Amen? And if you want to produce good fruit, then you have to develop your tree. 
well, the, the fruit can only be as good as the tree. Amen. What is the kind of life that you want to see? Because let me tell you, if you are believing God for something and you do not have a bigger picture for it, then you're still a baby. Okay, let's say you believe in God for marriage, but what kind of marriage do you want? Do you want your marriage to be an influence to other people? To yearn for it, knowing that, well, I'm honoring God in this way. Let's say you believe in God for finances. What for? So that you can chill in the Maldives? But there should be a bigger picture. I'm not saying you shouldn't go and chill in my corners. You can go. But there is always a bigger picture. <laughs> Glory to God. There is a reason why certain talents have been given unto us. There is a reason why certain aspects of life have been given unto us. There is a reason why we have certain aspects of responsibility given unto us. So that we can lead many and many to righteousness. We have to have zeal for the house of God. We have to have an understanding for these things that we do not draw people astray. Because the thing is, scripture can never be broken. It cannot. It cannot be broken. Daniel 12, verse 3 tells us that they that shall be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as stars forever and ever. Whichever way you look at it, we still have to turn people into righteousness. We need to show them the right path. We need to show them the hand of God upon our lives. Because our testimonies are what are going to draw people. Glory to God. So the life that you live, how are you living it? What are you conscious of? What are the things that you hold so sacrosanct to you? Amen. Let us arise, especially in times like this, in the end times, when the world is still in sixes and sevens. <laughs> the world is messed up, you know. It is. It is. But it's really beyond a fairy tale that for you, you have pictured in your heart or in your mind that for you, after all, as long as you're okay, no problem. Well, Phinehas would have just continued worshipping the Lord. For him, after all, his heart wasn't defiled. But he decided, no, I have to end this play. Got a spear, went and speared Zimri. Oh, I'm not telling you to go and, <laughs> and, and kill people, no. no. I'm sure you understand the gist of it. But are you able to fast because you are seeing your friend burning? In agony, are you able? And you don't even have to tell them that you're fasting for them. You don't even have to tell them that you're praying for them. 
Are you able to be consumed by other people's suffering and moved by compassion and love? Are you able to be consumed by ministry and by the church and protecting one another? I remember when the children of Israel were moving to the promised land and the Lord tells them, you know what, when you meet the children of Edom, do not fight them. Buy from them. Trade with them because they are your brethren. So if I'm in this church, why should I fight the other person or my brethren? <laughs> we might disagree on certain aspects of doctrine. Well, fair enough. But are they professing Jesus Christ? Yes. Then I have no business fighting them. I remember a man of God uh, one time. <laughs> I won't mention his name. Uh, a certain minister came and asked him, well, have you heard of the new disposition of the Spirit? And he told him, well, I'm not very familiar with that, with that uh, subject. And he went on, on, and on, and on, and on, because he wanted to get into an argument. And he was like, no, I'm not familiar. So as the gentleman was uh, bored and decided to turn away, he called him back. But I'm thinking of this. And the gentleman came back dashing. Because they thought, oh, well, now we are going to have uh, an argument. I don't know. I was just kidding. There are certain things that are beyond us. There's a lot that we have to do in the church as is. We have to look at the bigger picture. We have to change aspects of the world. And the only way that you're going to change these aspects is by yearning for the deep things of God, yearning for your purpose in this world as is, yearning for your role, because each one of us has a role to play. May the Lord bless you all. Amen.